Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name is Rich Williams and this is a brand new podcast from Planet Football where we will begin by celebrating everything that Naughty's Football had to offer. A decade of footballing brilliance, the battle of the buffet and some very well documented Broken Metatarsals. Joining me today, as per usual, Stoke supporting Planet Football editor Mark Holmes. Howdy. Welcome. Uh, also, Leeds United fan and Planet Sport deputy editor, meaning at least Stoke have the upper hand in one hierarchical structure, Rob Conlon. Hello there. I should say that there's only two of us that work full time. Yeah. I'm sort of deputy editor by default, really. Yeah. <laughs> what would you describe as, Mark? Um, lackey. <laughs> I have been described as sort of deputy editor. I've yeah, been introduced yeah. before. Nice <laughs> to get the confidence from your colleagues, though, isn't it? And also, uh, Derby County supporting comedian Mark Smith is here with us as well. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money back guarantee. New customers only, 18 plus. And please do rate and subscribe to the podcast, the podcast <laughs> where we discuss football in a pond. Uh, please do rate and subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, we are very, very grateful for that. Right, before we start, uh, there is something that's very important that came into us on Twitter, which we need to mention. This is a development from the start of the series. We haven't really mentioned it for a few podcasts. But Mark, uh, just to give everyone some context here, what is the Twitter handle if people want to tweet us at Planet Football. So, at the moment, it's Planet Football, the Portuguese spelling, and not just because we're really cool and cultural. Hipsters. Because we're not. <laughs> because we're definitely not. It's because some guy who I think actually is Portuguese, I'm sure of that fact, has got Planet Football like in the normal British spelling. And he's tweeted like 14 times and not in six years or something. And you know you can't view him. You have to be also asked to view him. It's so protected tweets. It's a they? protected tweet, yeah. That's the way. Uh, Mark, just, just to let you know, this really, really annoys Holmesy, right? Because because as much as you say, oh yeah, we love the spelling for Planet Football, <laughs> life will be a lot easier for you, is it fair to say, if Planet Football the normal spelling was the Twitter handle for people to get in contact with It would with. be significantly easier, yes. Um, we've established that this other guy is like the John Lewis guy who gets it every year every at the year, Christmas yeah. ad. Now, here's the development. Um, a tweet which came in from Pav. Thank you, Pav, who tweeted us uh, in a, a little timeline of something which Twitter has announced. I don't know whether you've seen this, but Twitter are going to start deactivating unused accounts yes, after five years. And we're of the belief, potentially, that Planet Football Guy, or, or Lady, we don't really know, has not used that Twitter handle for quite some time. So are your eyes lighting up with the possibility, and Pav, thank you very much for pointing this out, that it might become available soon? They are. Remember, when we first mentioned this, I put a plea into Twitter. Now, I'm not saying we've been an enormous success, but it feels like we have made this change happen. So thank you, Twitter, for be, listening, be honest, because that's definitely the reason. Would you be, how would you feel if you'd found out that this man had actually died? Um, yeah, I'd be annoyed it hadn't been told sooner, you know. Yeah. Can we, so in fact, one of the things we are doing is set up, uh, you know, <laughs> how do we... <laughs> this has got you put in the right spot. Yeah, go on, Mark. What are you trying to do? Just hearing tell this whole no, no, I can't think of it. They're trying to think how to, um, yeah. you know, yeah. memorialise Twitter accounts yes. that are no longer... Um, with us so. and what could be a better way than to move it to its rightful exactly. home exactly <laughs> it's what he would have wanted it's what he would have wanted so my plea to you is if you see that planet football becomes available please take it immediately before Mark gets his hands on it because that will, that, that. Will, that will make his that life that is a point that somebody could do that oh yeah no no I'm, I'm genuinely asking please get it before Mark gets his hands on it and he's stuck <laughs> with planet football well, what's the most you'd be willing to pay for it oh yeah, yeah at least 650 <laughs> yeah at least alright well I'll be 
definitely buying that. <laughs> I mean, I'll get it off him and sell it to you. There you go. We're all going to be looking eagerly. Pav, thank you so much for getting in touch. And if you do want to tweet us, it's at Planet Football for now. But who for knows? Now. It might change very soon. Right. Each episode, we'll be digging into one element of the noughties from the sublime to the ridiculous. Today, it's the noughties North London underachievers from Huddle to Huddleston, Pleat to Postiga, Dazzling Defoe, Legendary Ledley, and a campaign in which the main talking point would be an Italian meal. It's Spurs and that lasagna. Keane, Robbie Keane, oh and again James is denied, but still Terry coming forward from the back, gives Spurs the lead, two minutes before half time. Here's Tanio, and Davids looks to break here for Tottenham, and Robbie Keane's there! And Gina almost wins it back to Keane, and now it's Mino! Goal! 2-0 Tottenham! And the top scorer finishes off a move which always threatened. Eddie King comes in, Spurs with the lead. And Tottenham, who haven't beaten Arsenal in 12 attempts, have struck first in the 150th North London derby. Rio Coco Benayoun! Yossi Benayoun may well have finished on top of Hotspur's European Champions League dream once and for all. So we are talking Spurs and really we're going from, well it's the middle period of the noughties where it gets interesting because before that mark it, it, it wasn't very interesting was it? They were mid-table uh, for, for four seasons, four or five seasons in a row at the start of the noughties and just weren't very good. You know, when people talk about Spursy being Spursy and St. Tottenham's Day and all that kind of thing, this is the Spurs we're referring to when they were just a little bit shit, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I remember growing up that Spurs were a big club by virtue of me being told they're a big club. There was no evidence for it. (laughs) It was just that, oh, these were a big club in the past. I remember there being a nice period with with Klinsmann and the like and the Ardiles, a couple of years, a year, a couple of years, whatever it was. But this is how I mainly remember Spurs at these these key seasons where, like Mark says, just sort of mid-table nothingness really. Just They were a club with a nice stadium and a good fan base and some decent players, but it was just nothing. And as Ferguson always used to say, lads, it's Spurs. Mm. It was just one of those. It was just, this is a game we can definitely win. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Spurs and I don't really know why, but I suppose I would have come to this a little bit later where they were starting to build, so I missed all this dross really just mediocrity he's only 14 Rob <laughs> I, think, I think everyone likes Spurs so that's the yeah, thing they're a weird club aren't they I, yeah. I, I think it's that thing where they're not threatening well yeah exactly they're always interesting yet, but they're never they don't have that uber dominance of like a yeah. Man United or always or played Chelsea the right or, way and had some exciting players nice kits as well and things like that yeah. it's just, they're just <laughs> nice and enjoyable well I mean if you look at you know, Spurs being the most Spurs thing that they could ever have done. And again, this is in a different era. That's why we're talking about it. Things are different now. When Arsenal go unbeaten, the Invincibles win the title. They win it at Spurs. And Spurs are particularly crap that season. I think I think Arsenal had about 45 points more than them at the end of that season. You, you can't have written a worst season as a Spurs fan than what transpired that season. Absolutely not. Just everything. It was one of those seasons where everything they did just went wrong. So Hoddle was in charge at that point and was obviously, I spoke about full storms, he was certainly one of those. He was sacked, I think it was six games in and, and they were third from bottom, they had like four points or something. And he'd signed like Halder Postiga in the summers that he was their marquee signing for. Like, oh boy. <laughs> for, yeah. for a decent amount of money. They signed a guy called Mabizela, if you remember him, the, the South African centre-half, who people were thinking, oh, hang on, this might be the new Lucas Radebe. 
He he wasn't the new Lucas Ladderby. He he got sacked effectively. He had his contract terminated for like turning up to training pissed or not at all. And it was just like story after story after story after story like that about Spurs that season. It's, it's like a uh, like a, a football manager game that's gone wrong because you see the names they've signed and it's like they should work. Like Freddie, yeah. Freddie Canute should be good, but he's not. Like Pastiga, he's like this Portuguese wonder kid, and he comes. And I found this quote from him. It's like. And he basically said, as he arrived, like, I'm using Spurs as, as a stepping stone. He called him yes. a trampoline. Oh, yeah. And he says, we're all going to end up as winners. And then, actually, he scores one league goal. He gets sold back to Porto at a loss. But then, to be fair, they were the Champions League reigning champions. So maybe he was the winner at the end the of the day. The thing is, Canute, I actually think, was pretty good. I think yeah. Canute was a decent player, went to West Ham as well. He was a decent Premier League But when you look at what he did at Sevilla, maybe, it's like, he didn't quite live up yeah, to Yeah, never got near that, did he? Yeah. Well, the thing is, what they did, they, they bought in Canute... But they let Edmonton go to to West Ham in exchange. So they had like Canute, Robbie Keane, and and got Bobby Zamora as well. But they sold the only winger. So they had these quite decent strikers on paper, but literally no service. Right, and yeah. With Postiga and that that quote about it being a trampoline. I mean, when you support a club that isn't at the top top end, you know that players coming are thinking right, good season, maybe two good seasons. Yep. Then I might get the nod for a bit. Don't bloody say it. I mean, we we all know. Let's play the game. At it's a charade. Don't say it at the press. <laughs> Who says that? But if you're if you're a Spurs fan at that point, you're thinking, oh god. I mean, at least pretend your heart's in it. You know, kiss the badge at least a couple of times. Go through the motions. Score a goal, mate. Just score a few goals. <laughs> That's all you you got to do. But to hear that from a player coming in, that, that's got to ring like alarm bells, doesn't it? We're looking back at it like humorously now, and I think Spurs fans have enjoyed to laugh about the season. We had an article about it referring in to them as the Vincibles instead of the Invincibles. And, and they, they, they seem to like it, so we thought we'd do a podcast about it. But um, yeah, you know, when you're just so fucking bad that it's funny. It, so it, pl- it, Pleat took over, they were 3-0 up against Man City in the FA Cup at half-time and lost 4-3. <laughs> it's just it, one this... It's that Gallows humour thing that yeah. even their bright points end in shit. Because in that game, they're 3-0 up at half-time. Man City have 10 men. Joey Barton's obviously been sent off. Obviously. And Elka's <laughs> gone off injured, so their best player's off as well. And then... I think John Macken scores a winner, and that's a strike who Stuart Pierce thought David James was a better goal scorer than him. So <laughs> well, that's when, how I, bad it when I moved to Leeds, this is years ago after uni, the house that I moved into, we just rented it, and for some reason they had a, a framed picture of John Macken <laughs> on the wall, like a big, <laughs> a was massive it picture. House or <laughs> <laughs> mad, I, I just didn't know that even existed. Like, who. <laughs> Who has got that framed and why? I and mean, why have they left it like it's like a haunted <laughs> emblem of previous owner? I think you're talking about, um, you know, Spurs fans look back on it and they can have a bit of a laugh about it. I think there are different sets of fans. There are fans and Leeds fans are a bit like this as well, you know, that can look back on their utter drossness. Don't think that's a word. Uh, and look back and, and actually like, how could we have been that bad? And then there are other fans of different clubs, maybe... Man United, for example, or yeah. other guys. They don't look back on periods of non-dominance with any sort of humour. It's just kind they're of like... They're going to have to. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have I, I think it depends. I think Mark touched on it earlier. If if Spurs were in championship now, they wouldn't look at this no. and laugh. But the fact that they are you know, levels above this and they're a proper... Makes it easier, proper doesn't club. it? Yeah, because you, you look at it and you go, well, this was the struggle that led us to the success we are, we are now. I think it's like if you're in any job, you look you look back when you were... 18, 19 and making no money living in a rubbish place you go ha ha wasn't that fun <laughs> it's the climb <laughs> wow <laughs> that came totally left field <laughs> they did not, did not see a, a, a Joe McKeldry Miley Cyrus 
classic coming on that. I thought you went Jim McAlger before Matt. Man's well, he did it as the X Factor. I know, I know way too much about this. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from, from the climb. I don't even know the song. No, I don't know what they're on about. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that I know it, but it came into my head and I thought, I'm going to have to sing this. You did you it, it and you didn't hold back, and that was alarming. We can edit this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope the, so. Day, the pitch was fantastic. But Come even on. with Spurs that season, you know, Spurs were not having a good season. Arsenal were going on to, to win it. You maybe think to yourself as a Spurs fan, right? We've got one chance here to redeem ourselves, to save our season, and that is to make sure that when Arsenal pitch up here at White Hart Lane with a chance to win the title on our turf, we don't bollocks it up. <laughs> and what do they do? <laughs> they bollocks they it bollocks up. It up. <laughs> uh, you know, even though they came back quite well in that game, to, to be fair. But you know, you just think about it. If that's not going to happen, then and you, your rivals celebrating on your pitch, that's. The worst. Well, you start every season, don't you? I want my team to, to succeed. I want that team to fail. And if my team fail, then at least let them fail worse than me. Yeah. So they're having a phenomenal season. They're there to win the league. You're 45 points behind them or whatever. You're having the worst season from hell. Just for God's sake, just hold off and don't win it today. Of course it happens. Of course it happens. It's always, always going to happen, wasn't it? Happier times, if we took Martin Yole. Things kind of changed under him, didn't they? It did. So the next season, they had yet another full storm. Santini well, of course, yeah. after the Euros, high hopes, 12 games in, he's quit. Um, but what he did do, actually, looking back with a, you know, a positive uh, eye, is that he signed some good players. Paul Robinson come in, yeah. the keeper, as you guys know. Pedro Mendes, good player. Sean Davis, Michael Carrick, obviously a legend. And an absolute legend, it's Timothy, uh, Timothy Tuber, mm-hmm. was just like a cult hero at Spurs. Yol took over. He was his assistant after 12 games. Lost 5-4 to Arsenal in his first game, which was just ridiculous. Loren took a penalty for Arsenal for some reason. Uh, Nabet, another like Spurs cult hero from that, from that era, scored the goal. But that game, by the way, is is that result is mainly down to the fact that Spurs almost gave them goals. Paul Robinson in that game throws it out. It hits a Spurs defender and then deflects. And then uh, that's how they win the penalty, Arsenal. And there are other calamitous defending in that game. They almost gave them three or four of the five goals there. And Yol's probably thinking, what the hell have I inherited here? But like I say, Santini had signed some decent players and he had a few decent players from before him. Even with he stabilised them a little bit, didn't he? He did, yeah. And then gradually it started to get quite good, actually, for Spurs at long last. I think it was quite quickly they, they got yeah they got quite good. Because that, that January, that first January of Yol, they signed two of uh, Forest players, Andy Reid and... Michael and Dawson, Dawson yeah. yeah, both from yeah, Forest, yeah. Both from Forest. Again, as a Derby fan, you see them all the time, and they were, we knew they were Premier League quality. Yeah, yeah. To sign them both, I was a little bit gutted, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you start to speak about those players, then you think Dawson at the back, and Carrick in midfield, and Keenan, you can see there that there's a team building. A real and spine, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, Yol's first summer, he went and signed Lennon, Genus, Huddleston, Edgar Davids. Edgar Davids. Absolute legend. Taino, Lee, uh, Young Pio. But, you know, some of the others, not so much. Raziak from Derby. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock it. Don't some knock of the others, not so you know, Stalteri could have mentioned him, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, very quickly in this sort of space of two windows, suddenly Spurs went from being a bit of a joke, really, to actually, these have got a good team here. But Edgar Davids was a bit of an eye-opener, wasn't it? Like, oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a serious. Uh, that's a serious. He could still it? play as well. This wasn't. This wasn't like signing a, a thirty-nine-year-old from from a top league who was just there to sell shirts. Mm. He was. It wasn't the Barnet Edgar Davids. Wasn't the Barnet Edgar Davids. <laughs> that's right. He wasn't wearing number one by that point. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was. A, he was a proper player. So all right, he wasn't playing every game, but he was. He was very effective still. It added to that sense of fun as well because you did have players like Davids and their strikers. I mean, Keane and Defoe are like two brilliant goal scorers, but then you did still have some of the older. Yeah. 
less good place. And Michael Brown was still there, and Callum Davenport was still there, and and you know the signing Gregor's Raziak, and which is, but it just added to that sense of fun that you had. Edgar Davids, this cult footballer who's absolutely brilliant, strutting about finally in the Premier League with his goggles and, and, and in this really nice shirt. <laughs> But, you know, he should occasionally be next to Michael Brown or something. <laughs> I'm slagging off Michael Brown. Oh, I'm a Leeds fan. Don't, don't get to get me started on Michael Brown. For God's sake. <laughs> but, but no, you are right. The sight of those two together is, is not one that you necessarily yeah, would, have exactly. picked out, would have picked out, would you? But then it's a good season for Spurs, which leads on to what we will talk about shortly, which is the most spoken about Italian meal uh, of all time when it comes to football. Although, uh, having said that, Don Matteo in the podcast yes. about Leeds United, if you listen to it, does speak very fondly of a lasagna in Milan. But that season was a, was a, a really great season for Spurs, wasn't it? Obviously, we're talking about the Lausanne gate. They went into the last week of the season, I think, seven points clear of Arsenal because it was the year that Arsenal got to the Champions League final. So they had a backlog of games. So with one game to play, Spurs were seven points clear, but Arsenal had two in hand, won them both, take it down to the last day. But still, from ninth, tenth, whatever, a couple of seasons before, to be challenging for the Champions League. And this is two years after the Invincibles and Spurs are like one game away and finishing above them. So that was an amazing turnaround. Like I said, it's a great team. A lot of fun. It's the start of a really, really good team. And it is the start, you know, they do miss out this season, but it is the start of that Champions League team slowly yeah. coalescing. I mean, like Aaron Lennon's there, Jermaine Defoe and Robbie Keane are there. Huddleston's there, who I had a real soft spot for. I just love a midfielder. Oh, he can pick a pass. Can't run, but he's got a lovely right foot on him. <laughs> and I just loved watching him as well. In a really quick time, actually, they suddenly went from one of their worst ever seasons to... Yeah this team which is going to go places. And then, of course, it all led to that famous May day in 2006 where uh, West Ham were entertaining Tottenham and Arsenal were at home to Wigan and everything will be decided who was going to finish fourth, who was going to get that Champions League spot. And it all came down to a portion of lasagna. Mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of delving back into this story for the website to write an article. And I think the really interesting bit about it is that you know any other game against West Ham, the players would have just stayed at home. Because it, there's so much was riding on it, they ju- they just needed to match Arsenal's result against Wigan. They were one point ahead. Just match Arsenal's result against Wigan, and they've qualified for the Champions League. So there's so much riding on this game. The club pay for the place to go into a hotel. Oh, <laughs> don't Classic, stop, stop doing this. Just, <laughs> just leave it as normal. Yeah. <laughs> don't attempt the fate. What are you doing? So at seven pm, there's a buffet laid on for all the players. It sounds that's delicious. Sounds, and it sounds good. It that, really yeah. does. Love a buffet. The dish Ooh, of yeah. choice. It looks really nice. Is the lasagna. So all the players tuck into that. Yeah, like sounds that. good. Yeah, just what you need before a game. That's what I would have picked. Definitely carbo. Good to go. And then at 1am, all of a sudden, players start to report that they're not feeling too well, actually. <laughs> and it soon becomes apparent that they've all been struck down by a virus. And, and ba- Martin Yall actually said the following day, you know, I can sum up the players who were not sick. And there was Paul Robinson, Stephen Kelly, Anthony Gardner and Jermaine Defoe. And the rest were sick. So you can't even feel the five-a-side team, basically. <laughs> so Daniel Levy tries to have the fixture postponed. And Richard Scudamore, who I think must be the head of the Premier League at that time, um, tells him, you know, if you don't play it, you've got to play it at the agreed time. If you don't play it, you're going to face a fine or a points deduction. Now, the only sort of um, previous example of this was Borough back in the 90s. Their squad had been struck down by a bug, so they didn't play the game. And they actually got a three-point uh, deduction and a fine. You know, so Spurs cannot afford to do that. So then Yall's asking for the kickoff to be put back. He wants 7pm so the players can have a rest. Uh, the police, by this point, are noticing that there's quite a lot of fans that are already entering the pubs around Upton Park. Yeah, <laughs> so they think maybe 7 p.m. kickoff is not the best idea. They offer him 5 p.m., and you know it's only a couple of hours after, which he just thinks it's just not worth putting it back. So they agreed to play at 3 p.m. The Environmental Health Office, I think, are going there to test the food for rogue traces of anything. Um, and you know it became so desperate that is there anything in there that isn't the regular meat bechamel <laughs> yeah. sauce and pasta sheets and it gets so bad that a Daily Telegraph turns up to the game to cover the game 
and one Tottenham director turns to him and says, we're only going to field 10. Have you got your books with you? So it's that they're that desperate and they're actually having to field players who are just visibly ill. So Jermaine Genus said that, you know, Martin Yol was giving his team talk and the players are rushing to the toilets to throw up. And even during the game, some of the players yeah, are having to rush on and off the pitch just to throw up. Is that West Ham? So what kit were they wearing? Was it wasn't white shorts, was it? Well, I mean, yeah, you'd hope not. I mean, maybe they asked for a change. You've got to do like your five games in your, in your away colours, haven't you, in the season? Can we definitely not play in white today? <laughs> but even then, it's like it's, they've still got that remnants of Spursiness from the previous season because Arsenal are actually losing to Wigan, but they're just not doing it against West Ham. And they finally get an equaliser against West Ham. But then Arsenal equalise against Wigan. And this is like the final competitive game at, at Highbury as well. So there's such like a big sense of motivation for the Arsenal team. Um, but even when, you know, Arsenal are two all at Wigan, I think they're 1-1 at West Ham. So they're still technically qualifying for the Champions League. But then Thierry Henry, you know, the scourge of Tottenham, steps up, grabs a hat-trick in the final game at Highbury. And then Yossi Benayoun, who played for basically every club in London, <laughs> bar Tottenham, yeah. scores this absolutely beautiful goal. And their dreams have just been absolutely crushed. Well, we wanted to get the inside track on exactly what happened on that day. So we caught up with former Spurs midfielder who was in and amongst the action. This is what happened when we spoke to Andy Reid. I've got to ask you the question. If I say the word lasagna, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? <laughs> yeah, All right, that's a good start. At least he laughed. That's a good start because I was worried. <laughs> Yeah, no, listen, it's it, it, it's something. And, and, you know, I wasn't one of the ones that got ill, but there was maybe five lads got ill. And I'm pretty sure it was Michael Dawson, I think, had to play. And, uh, and Michael Carrick as well, I think, they they, they played. And you could just tell by the colour of the face that they, that they were really ill. If it was a coincidence, then it was a hell of a coincidence. I know at the time, you know, it was taken very, very seriously because, you know, we don't want to make excuses, but because of that game, uh, we didn't qualify for the Champions League, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a hell of a lot riding on it financially, for the club, for the players, and, and also the prestige of playing in the Champions League as well, you know, we missed our opportunity and we just we just weren't able to compete that day. That You know, we kind of had to play with, you know, we're only six fully fit players and four or five of the lads, you know, were ill. So it was very, very strange um, and it was very, very disappointing after the season that we had had. And, you know, we'd had a really, really good season, played some great football. And, you know, when I think back on that, that on, on that season, the, the player that really jumped out for me, that really stood out, who was fantastic for us that season, was Michael Carrick. He was phenomenal, you know, passing right foot, left foot, climbing the pass, dictating the speed of the play, breaking up play. He, he, re- he was really, really top-notch that season. So it was a real shame um, that, that we didn't manage to qualify that season. You're giving away the secrets there, Andy, because I think Martin on the day had said there was 10 players ill, was trying to get the game postponed, and now you're telling us it was only five. <laughs> he's, he's pulled a fast one now, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, listen, I'll tell you what, you go and try to play a game with, with, with five real players against, against a, another Premier League team. Yeah, Mark. Matter, you know, I'm down over there in the corner. Were you were you a bit uh, a bit put out then that these five lads who were, who were ill and chucking up on the rest of it, like Sir Michael Carrick, and they get a start and you're still on the bench? Yeah, I mean, the team would have been named on the Friday, so I'm disappointed then, you know, um, because I'd been training well and I thought I had a chance to start, and so I was disappointed not to start. And um, Listen, it's difficult because the manager will have asked the lads if they were okay to play, and they will have said yes, um, because they all wanted to play, because they knew how big of a game it was. 
possibly, I suppose, when you look back and you think to yourself, maybe the manager could have made, you know, a stronger decision because it was it was really obvious that the lads, you know, weren't weren't kind of fit to to to, to be able to participate to the to the levels that that they had been playing to. I mean, it's one of those things that from the era of the noughties, it's probably one of the biggest talking points of that whole decade in, in terms of football and what happened. But there's so much spoken about it. But can I just ask you, in terms of the actual sort of like chronological thing of how it happened, because you played some fantastic football and have been building up to this moment. So you all, you all get to the hotel, th- th- then what happened? Because I always stayed in a hotel the night before in the away game. West Ham obviously not being very far away, it was kind of debated, right, are we going to stay in a hotel or are we not going to stay in a hotel? Only because of the proximity. So it was decided that we should stay in the hotel. And I think it was a hotel in Canary Wharf. You know, it was just a normal, um, it was just a normal kind of away game for us. You know, we got there, uh, went and had some dinner and, you know, the lads sat around and you chaff for a little bit. And, you know, and then everybody started to head off to bed. And, you know, I think the ones who went ill kind of didn't even know that anything was going on until the next morning. It was that when you um, got the first inkling that there was a problem, you just sort of slept through because you were yeah, feeling when okay? Yeah, we come, come, come down for you, normally what you do is you, you know, if the game's at three o'clock, you probably come down uh, maybe uh, half, between half ten and eleven, sometimes, go for a little bit of a walk, uh, come back to the hotel and get pre-matched. So it was only kind of when we all got down ready to go for a walk that the lad realised what was going on then and, and, and you know, we had some, um, some some players who weren't very well. What, what were the lads saying that were real? Because I think Jermaine Defoe said later that he thought hey, West Ham have been, been up to no good here. What were the conspiracy theories going around? There was all sorts, you know, that uh, the chef was a West Ham fan. And, <laughs> uh, I suppose you can go into any restaurant at any point and get, you know, and, and get some get some food that's you know that's not quite uh, that's not quite right you know I think that's probably happened to everybody at some point was a bit of a coincidence but <laughs> if I'm being honest with you lads I, I, I hadn't even thought about it for, I, somebody, somebody mentioned this to me probably about three years ago and that's the last time that it's even come into my head until I'm having this conversation <laughs> I'm trying to remember everything that happened you know we've been reading like looking back at through all the stories and these quotes about players, you know, during the team talk beforehand, players throwing up. What, what do you remember of the scene actually before the game in the changing rooms? Yeah, listen, I, I remember the lads being being really, really poorly. You know, people throwing up and uh, you know, like really grey faces. You know, I remember looking at Michael Dawson, and you could, you know, he's he's kind of pale and pasty at the best of times. <laughs> so you could, so you could kind of, you could, you could almost see through him because there's not much skin, <laughs> not bones as it is. You know, a translucent uh, so defender. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that really, should we? But in terms of before that game, you know, you've got this you're building up to the biggest game in the season and not a season, in for a long time for Spurs as well. You're part of that and you're part of the squad. It must have been so disappointing to be turning up, you know, half an hour before kickoff and you're all there and you're like everything's against us you know everything has conspired against us I don't mean in a conspiracy sense but everything you know fate has conspired against us how are we going to get through this what was the it wouldn't have been a regular team talk wouldn't it what was it it was just get through and do what you can yeah listen it was just go out there and do the best you can you know and Arsenal pipped us to it um, that season 
Um, but we've been ahead of them, you know, for, for quite a while. And, and I always remember the last uh, North London derby at Highbury, um, we went 1-0 up. Um, I think it might have been Robbie Keane. I think it might have been scored. We went 1-0 up. And, and, and we played really, really well, you know. Again, I think uh, Michael Tarrick, he was, he was absolutely fantastic on the day. Thierry Henry came off the bench and, and, and scored. And you kind of think back to that game as well and you think to yourself, if we had won that, we wouldn't have even needed to. I know it wasn't directly the game before. It was probably two or three games. You kind of think to yourself, you know, if we had beaten them that day there, then that probably would have kind of finished them off and and, and that, that very last game wouldn't have kind of been the be-all and end-all. Andy, thank you so much for joining us and recollecting that time at Spurs and also, you know, a game which is one of the most spoken about incidents in footballing history. If there's just one more question I could ask you before you leave us on the broken metatarsal. Um, Make it a good one. <laughs> was the lasagna tasty? Oh, I didn't have the lasagna. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute, and he wasn't ill, so maybe. There you go. <laughs> Andy, thanks so much for joining us on the broken metatarsal. Great speaking to you. My pleasure, lads. Take care. So there you go, Andy Reid's uh, take on lasagna. Get he didn't have it. I, I mean, come on, I was expecting him to have said, "Oh, it was delicious." This I is what, was, this uh, finished every last morsel. Well, this is what I keep telling everyone. Says it wasn't food poison, but it clearly was. We <laughs> solved it. We solved the mystery. If that's a coincidence. That's some coincidence, as he says himself. Exactly. I mean, I'm no detective, but I think uh, I can join the dots there. <laughs> I also love the fact that he said there was like five or six players who were ill and Martin Yell said 10. I want to know the truth, Blair, but... I, I, it... I like the idea that we'll do this again in a decade's time and whoever we interview will say it was just Michael Carrick. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the way that Andy was speaking about Michael Carrick, I think that would have been fair enough. <laughs> Could have been the case. He's ill. We've got to call it off, lads. He's that good. I've had norovirus recently and I know exactly how Michael Carrick is feeling <laughs> and I want to play football, so... I always wonder, you know, with they offered to move it to 5pm, would Wigan Arsenal have moved to 5pm as well? Because it's like that thing in a, a final yeah, group yeah. stage in a cup competition, you wouldn't do that. Because if not, I would have taken the 5pm knowing what you need to no, do. Yeah, that would exactly. have been an advantage. But then I suppose if your players are all shitting themselves, quite literally, <laughs> and they know they need yeah. to go out there and win, it might just add to the But if you know, if you know that they've lost... Yeah, you don't need yeah. to do anything. But I, I just wonder whether that would have been the yeah, case or not. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Michael Carrick was so bad he couldn't walk. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, I think in, before that, he was like one of the main reasons you all wanted to He played like back. an hour, though, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, because someone else got subbed off instead of him. Yeah, and Danny Murphy, I think, wasn't too bad, stayed on the bench. Yeah, Murphy well, was just not. What's, what's that saying? <laughs> uh, Michael Carrick, one hell of a player, but he can't walk, but yeah. I'm still going to play him for you, Danny. <laughs> I don't even know if he was a good player as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yo just didn't seem to fancy him. He was there, I think he was there for like a season, wasn't he? But then also, like a month or so later, the Environmental Health Agency eventually get back. They've had this investigation and they're adamant that there was no uh, traces of food poisoning in the lasagna. So actually, what just happened was that Spurs, at the most unfortunate of times, just got a bug between the, the players of virus. And yeah, just don't, don't, virus. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's the official Don't line, fall yeah. for that, mate. <laughs> yeah. Don't fall for that. That's not, that's not stop the conspiracy But it was, it was a great, you know, when you look back to when that was happening, and you know, we know about this in hindsight that, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a bug that's gone round and it wasn't the lasagna. But at the time, it was incredible to think, mate, Maybe something has gone on here. Maybe something a little bit suspicious oh, yeah. is happening. You know, this that's was what like this was like faked moon landing. <laughs> this, this was like who has done this? <laughs> Who's this Doctor Wenger who signed off on the neurovirus? And then Jermaine Defoe, obviously not the most popular man at West Ham, he started pointing fingers at his yeah, former yeah. club as well. It just gets absolutely brilliant. I love how quickly that 
finger pointing started, you know, that literally on they're still at the hotel and environmental standards around there, like taking standards because they're absolutely convinced their only explanations have been poisoned. I really hope that it comes out one day that they were just like Arsene Wenger <laughs> in his autobiography, just like when he's 90 or something. Yeah, it was me, you know. You talk about conspiracy theories. All I will say is that an anagram of Arsenal Wigan is wire lasagna. <laughs> that, that is incredible. So. I don't, you know a bit of time on that, I don't know whether anyone's ever mentioned. Don't know whether I was just looking. I was just, I quite into conspiracy theories, and I did look at it. And why lasagna is the code word that is an anagram. <laughs> the code word. <laughs> why lasagna? I can't believe no one realised this at the time <laughs> when they were pulling the wool over the environmental health. There, is that the follow up to a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Yeah. Why lasagna? Why lasagna? Might have been. It is one of you know whatever the really happened. It's one of the great football stories the noughties, isn't it? These things aren't meant to happen in professional football, and especially at the Premier League. There's all this money, there's all this preparation, and it does just come down to, oh, fuck, we, we can't stop <laughs> they are, up the How many times room. they are meant to happen when they've wired the lasagna in? I can't get my head around this idea that at sort of midday, you're, you're lying in bed and you're intermittently going to the toilet to drop something out of one <laughs> end or the other. And then... You're going to be playing professional Premier League yeah. standard football in three hours' time. I, last time I had food poisoning, I'm, I'm just not... I can't do anything. I'm not doing anything ever again for the rest of my life. I'm dead. I'm finished. What you'll get as well, people always say this about like pro footballs. Oh, they're a pro footballer. They should be able to do it. Yeah, but what you forget is they're also playing against pro footballers yes. who haven't had the shits. Yes. There's going to be a little bit of a difference in quality. But I think the thing that you mentioned with that is, and, and all joking aside, is you know when you get food poisoning, it, it's a terrible thing. You lose all strength. That's the thing. You have no strength, so you're not going to be able to play to your best. But the fact that they went out there, the fact that th- that's how important the game was. You know, It wasn't good like a good, good fair play to them that they, they tried their best and you took about Carrick running off literally straight down the tunnel to do whatever he needed to do. But that game was the most important game that that club had had for so many years that they weren't going to let they weren't going to let the team down they weren't going to let the fans down. On a serious point, you know, it probably should have been postponed, shouldn't it? Well, I was thinking this like I mean, okay, there's a precedent for for points being deducted. In hindsight, of course, they would have cancelled it and taken the chances in court or whatever. But absolutely, they they're not. There's no reason for them to fake this. Yeah. Of course, it puts a lot of people out. The fans who have come over, Sky, who've got the cameras there, or whatever. But this is worth tens and tens of millions of pounds. This is the biggest season for a long time. They've all got a bug. They've got a bug. Where they got lasagna, whatever it is. It's two clubs in London as well. It's not like a European away yeah, game where people have got a flight over. I'm flying to Baku for it. They're <laughs> going round the corner. I'm glad they postponed it. Would have really buggered up this podcast had they not. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty pretty pleased that they did in the end. Should we do a bit of football facts or football fiction? Yes. Why not? Both our Marks and Rob have got a, uh, a statement about Spurs and uh, and this era we've been talking about. Only one of them is a footballing fact. The other two are totally made up. They are footballing fiction. So, Mark Smith, should oh, we start okay. with you? Uh, so, the irony of all this lasagna gate chat was that until that very day, so the night before the game, the players had actually been banned from eating lasagna and any sort of you know, really stodgy food like that in favour of more broccoli and egg-based uh, food, more more egg-based uh, diet. So they were moving away from kind of that kind of carbon-up vibe to something slightly more... Uh, yeah, so they've been, they've been banned from, from having it. They were ahead of the time, they were plant-based yeah, diet. Yeah, well, Do you yeah, feel, I, mean, I feel like you might have just, uh, just said something like quite telling that. That does feel a bit ahead of the time. Well, 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 eggs, I mean, but, eggs. But, what is this? <laughs> Not eggs. This is middle of the naughty, so sports, <laughs> nu- sports nutrition and sports, sports diet and all that—that's that's probably quite a big deal. It's sod's law, though, isn't it? As soon as you stop a particular food, it's the one that comes and gets you. Having said that, it wasn't that anyway in the end, was it? It was just a neurovirus. Just a virus. Can yeah. we stop 
subscribing to that lie, please. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Clearly poison. Come on. Uh, Rob, what have you got? We spoke about this being the start of a real positive, impressive team uh, forming. So a player actually joined them, maybe the following season or the season after that, Dimitar Berbatov, who they probably oh. could have done with at Upton Park. He never ran around event much <laughs> anyway, so he'd have been fine on it. He always looked like he'd shit himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he'd have been fine, wouldn't he? So it's actually a little known fact that Berbatov, when he was actually at full sprint, he is in fact clocked as as fast as Jermaine Defoe. He just doesn't Can't reach. Yeah. He just doesn't he just reach doesn't. full sprint very often. I mean, um, me and you are Leeds fans, Rich. Then it, if we think of language strikers, Mark Viduka actually always springs to mind. And, yeah. and, you know, he could shift if he wanted to. Yeah. And when he needed to. Quick. Yeah, exactly. Preserving energy, yeah. I think they would just, say, wouldn't they? He just they? picked his moments like all good strikers do. I, I, can, I can believe that. I reckon he can probably... Because to get to a certain level, you've got to be able to move at a certain pace. Yeah, right? you do actually you have can't, to run. You've got to be able to be half decent at least. Uh, Mark Holmes, what have you got? I hate that this is true, but it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Martin Yall, just a lovely, lovely... Blow, everyone liked him, but he found out he'd been sacked at Spurs and his nephew texted him. Oh, Heartbreaking. No. So, because he found out that he'd been sacked during an, uh, like a European night, was it? Was it against... Um, well, you, you, you're adding details. Um, <laughs> he found out. It, it was one of those weird ones where everyone knew he was going to be sacked and he knew he was going to be sacked as well. Yeah, it was I, like during a game. I'm pretty sure it was a European. I think it was anyway. Yeah, it, was, it was confirming something he was expecting for sure. But yeah, the, the It was his nephew. How did his nephew find out? I, I, th- I think it was probably the uh, talk sport that, that broke it from memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I, I wish you could see how unconvincing Mark looks right now. I was going to say, right I, I was say the talk radio. I thought, that's ridiculous. I just said talk sport. No, I think it was on talk sport. Yeah. Um, and his nephew had heard it and said, Martin or Uncle Martin. Uncle Mart, you're being sacked, Mart, yeah. That feels like a weird thing. Did he say you're being sacked? No, I think it was... Oh, I've heard you've been... I'm so sorry. Because to tell him over text feels a little bit like dumping someone over text. I'm like, oh, gutted, don't deserve it. What do you mean, don't deserve what? Have you been sacked? What? (laughs) I've been what? (laughs) One of them. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I haven't got that much detail, but... You never bloody do. You never do. (laughs) I'm more interested, I think, in the eggs and broccoli situation, which was was trying to do. So the irony. So just out of interest, was lasagna the only option on the night? Then they couldn't have gone for something else. They oh, were stuck with lasagna. I wasn't there, pal. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. They had a buffet, but it was just the lasagna was the lasagna's most the hot. Option. Yeah, but I also didn't. I thought that the lasagna was there wasn't many hot options at yeah. the buffet. Yeah, so. it's always a limited choice. They've piled down, haven't they? You don't want to go to the salad. You don't want to go against idea. your manager's wishes unless you have to have the lasagna. Is that what but, you're saying? No, but also, if you think about this, if you've been banned from something and then you're now suddenly allowed it, I'm even going to get stuck yeah. in. And it's, I'm like the last, stuck in. it's like the last day of school, isn't it? Like, we're not allowed to do that, but they bought our film yeah. today. Or like, we're just not allowed what to What toys have you brought in? Yeah, exactly. They've got lasagna out. It's the last game of the season. Let's just pile in, lads. Yeah. And yeah. you're saying Berbatov is as fast as Defoe, who's pretty nippy, right? Yeah. I mean, crucially, I've not said over what distance, but over one step. Yeah. Whilst asleep. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, uh, I have historically been absolutely dreadful on working out the correct one. But I am going to go on this occasion because I really want it to be true that Dimitar Berbatov is not as lazy as we think <laughs> and is actually a rapido sprinter. I'm afraid that's false. Oh, no. Of course he isn't. Jermaine Defoe's really quick. I know he's really quick, but all right. He's, he's dead quick. Yeah. <laughs> Who really is it? Fast. Come on, you've got to have another guess. I'm having another go. You put yeah. me in that... In that case, I'm going to go. I did the lasagna one doesn't ring true. It's too, it's too, uh, it's too convenient for this podcast. I think so. I'm going to go with. Well, that's a bit bizarre. Um, you're finding out from his nephew. Absolutely correct. Is that what happened? Gus Pyatt once essentially got sacked live on TV, didn't he? Didn't he get sacked from Sunderland? When he was, doing... he was a pundit, wasn't yes. he? And he, they basically oh, told him at half time. He was like, "Oh, Gus, by the way, yeah, I, mean, I don't know what your payout is, mate." But... Yeah, 
They're all good, but they're not as good as Mick McCarthy just walking out. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. was, it a, was it a Wolves where he walked out? Ipswich, was it? Was it Ipswich, yeah. He just walked out the press conference, didn't he? just walked out the press conference. Yeah, I'm not having it anymore. Thank you very much. This was my last press conference. (laughs) See you later. I'm off for some lasagna or whatever. This episode was brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money-back guarantee. New customers only, 18+. plus. Please do subscribe and rate and uh, leave comments on the podcast. There's some very nice ones on there. So thanks to uh, Mum. She put one on there, which was very kind, and various other family members. That's great. Uh, But if you do rate it, we'd be grateful. And please do spread the word on the broken metatarsal. Thank you, as always, uh, Mark Holmes and Rob Conlon for joining us. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, And also Mark Smith, thank you for joining us as well. We hope you've enjoyed. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Lovely podcast. Oh, look at that. Go and rate and subscribe to it. Put that in the bloody review. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get it on there. Uh, And join us next time on the Broken Metatarsal.